Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here today. And those online joining us, we want to thank you and thank uh, all those who do support uh, Living Messiah here. We give you great thanks. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Uh, thumbs up's always nice, too, if you appreciate uh, uh, this teaching. So with that being said, let me open in prayer, and then we can uh, get into the study. Father, Yehovah, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, Father, you are faithful. You're faithful to your covenant. You're faithful to who you are. Father, we thank you that you revealed yourself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that your very words became flesh. And Father, we recognize that promise as well. And that is your son, Yahshua, our Messiah, King, who laid his life down and has taken it back up again with your great authority. And Father, we come to you today because we want to learn, we want to grow. Father, help us. Uh, we are all in need of you more and more. We thank you again for the love and mercy we find and empower us with your spirit so we can overcome. We thank you. Amen. All right. All right. And as you oh, first, I want to say uh, this real, real quick. My my aunt and uncle are here, Rich and Cheryl. So good. I'm so glad that you guys come out. I feel bad because they got to go back to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the weather isn't that going to be that great. But so it's good to always see you guys, and thanks for coming out. Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> oh, so you guys know the routine. If you have a question or a comment, just raise your hand. There's two mics out there. One of them find its way to you, and we just ask uh, to... Beyond the subject matter, we're all learning together with, uh, in the scriptures, and that includes me. This is just a Bible study that, uh, that, I, that I'm directing. So this is for all of us to learn together. So, so uh, keep that in mind, um, and try to make your time short, because if there is others that want to speak, we are limited with our time here. So, But again... As you guys know, we're in the book of Acts here, chapter 19. Now, um, last week I began with this verse, and I think it's going to still be appropriate for what we're looking at here in chapter 19. And this is Paul. Paul said this. He said to them, Do you, Did you receive the set-apart spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have never heard there is a set-apart spirit. So this whole idea is like, have you believed? Have you trusted? Have you obeyed? All right? Have you taken for yourself the set-apart spirit? Um, this, uh, this week's, uh, what I'd like to do, I'd like to read through 
um, verse 11 through 19, and then, uh, then we'll go back and like just go through it, okay? A little bit different, but uh, I think that works too as well, because I think there's a lot here uh, for us hopefully to discuss and look at. And I, I'll tell you first off, I don't have all the answers, but there's some things to think about for sure, okay? So, we'll begin in 11. And Elohim worked unusual miracles through the hands of Shaul or Paul so that even, uh, even handkerchiefs and aprons, types of cloths, were brought uh, from his body to the sick and the disease left them and the wicked spirits went out of them. But certain revolving, uh, roving, excuse me, revolving, roving uh, uh, Jew um, Udite or a Jew traveling, it sounds like more of uh, in a sense. I even some translations say vagabond. Uh, but a certain roving Udite exorcist took upon themselves to call the name of the master Yeshua over those who had wicked spirits, saying, we exercise, we call you out, you by Yeshua whom Paul proclaims. And there were seven sons of a certain, uh, uh, let me see, uh, what is it, Scuvius, 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 a Udite or a Jew, chief priest who were doing this. And the wicked spirits answering and said, Yeshua, I know, Saul, I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the wicked spirit was leaped out on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Not just wounded, just naked too. And this became known to all both Udim, or the Jews, and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And the fear fell on them all. And the name of the master, Yeshua, was made great. And many who believed came uh, confessing and declaring their deeds. And many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together, burning them before all. And they, rec uh, they reckoned up the value of them and found to be 50,000 pieces of silver, which it I'm, I'm guessing that's a lot of money at that time, all right? Even right now, 50,000 pieces of silver would be a lot of money, you know, and I don't know the market. But, so that's what we're, what we're going to start dealing, uh, looking at. But I want to prep, uh, prep our discussion with something. Because last week, Paul, a little bit of review, last week Paul ran into some disciples. Most likely they wasn't Jews because they knew nothing about the set-apart spirit. That verse I just read. They knew nothing about the set-apart spirit. So my guess is that uh, a Jew would at least have known about the set-apart spirit, the spirit of the Most High. But for them not to ever heard of such a thing, that, to me, in some ways, implies that they, they still had a background 
uh, Hebraic background, but maybe not, in, uh, not so intense. I read this one commentary I thought was kind of interesting is uh, he was implying, okay, yeah, they wouldn't be Jews, but yet they knew the immersion of John, so they knew some uh, background. But he kind of pointed out, so they're off going around, and maybe they didn't have the full truth of things. And what he was saying is, like, how many times anyone of faith, whatever denomination or whether, don't have the whole truth, but they're going out there speaking on things, not knowing the fullness of things. And then when that person speaks on a half of what's going on, then those people only know half and half. You know what I mean? And we got so many uh, denominations in some sense that seem to be specializing in all kinds of areas. And, but there's a fullness of Scripture. So I thought that was very, very insightful. Uh, yes, we have a hand up over here. So a Jew, for me, then, uh, they most likely wasn't Jewish, so they would have known about the set-apart spirit if they hadn't at least grown up in synagogue. Yes. Thank you, Ralphie. Um, let's look back at the disciples with Yeshua three years, and they still denied him and ran away. I mean, there is a learning gap. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> it says... John 16 says, um, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. So it's not like you get a download of truth when you come into the kingdom. I think it's like a step-by-step. -step. You get the Holy Spirit who guides you into all truth. It's I mean, and I look around to my friends and say, everybody's on a different space on the ladder, you might say. So we, we can't turn around and judge and look back and say, well, oh, they don't have it. They're away from the kingdom. Because remember when the um, rich man came to Jesus or Yeshua and he says, and Yeshua said to him, you are not far from the kingdom. So it's like we're on that stair step. Yes, no, and it's interesting, uh, some of the, what you just pointed out, I, I'm going to bring up here for us to consider here before, uh, when we start to uh, dive into um, Acts here. So, with, with that uh, being said, uh, Paul, he continues his conversation with these 12. It was about 12, too, which is kind of interesting. And Shaul said, uh, John, or Johanan, indeed immersed you with the immersion of repentance, saying to the people that they, uh, uh, saying to the people that they should, let's pause. Paul, in some way, may be saying that you have not been taught the fullness of the good news here. Okay? Repentance is good, obviously, right? But there is more to the good news. Repentance leads to obeying and salvation. Repentance, you can just turn from something. All right? But there's more. And that's where I believe the set-apart spirit comes into play. And ultimately, repentance, good repentance, you know, 
It leads to obeying. And when you obey, there is deliverance. There's salvation there. So there's deliverance. There's, this is that more after repentance, so to speak. There's deliverance, salvation, hope, power, relationship, righteousness to achieve now after you're on this path of repentance because that's the whole idea of the baptism to be emerged and to change your oneself. But change to what? So he, Paul goes on and says to them, saying to the people, because John the Immersal said this, that they, you should believe in, trust in, have faith in, obey the one who is coming after him. That is Yahshua Messiah. Yes, I know in your Bibles it just says believe, but remember we kind of went over the word believe or have faith. In the background, they were pretty much really the same concepts. To believe, trust, and to have faith ultimately leads to obedience in there. Okay, that's why I wanted to point that out. And it is in Yahshua Messiah. Okay? Obey in the one who's coming after. That is Yahshua Messiah. So, again, a little pause before we jump in. I think this is very powerful what Paul is speaking because everything that we see in here in Acts, New Testament, however you want to look at, has a fundamental, has its foundation, ideas, and thoughts established beforehand. So what I'm saying is we can't read what's going on in here in Acts outside of the context of the rest of Scripture. Okay? So... This is interesting, this uh, idea to obey, believe, and the one that is coming, uh, uh, that, uh, who is coming after him, the one after John the Baptist, right? That is Yeshua Messiah. And I thought this is interesting. Look at Deuteronomy 18. At least for me, I think this brings things together. I shall raise up. For them, a prophet like you, being Moses, out of the midst of their brothers. And I shall put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Messiah basically said these very things. I only do what my father says. I only do what my father does, right? Listen to my words. Don't have to believe in me. Believe in him who sent me, so to speak, right? Then it goes in 19, and it shall be the man who does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I require of him. So if this is the one like Moses, Yeshua, those words are for us today. And that means Paul isn't deviating from these words that are for us today. There is one who's coming after, because John said that, coming after, that is Yeshua the Messiah. The anointed one. So he speaks in the name of his father. And it's required of that person who does not listen to everything the Messiah says then. So, then Paul 
He lays hands on them and they take, I like that idea, they take that set apart spirits, they take hold in their hand, so to speak, that concept, they take hold of it in order to use it. The set apart spirit, you take it, it's there, it's free. You take up that spirit and what happens then? I believe you can understand it this way. Take up the spirit and carry it in. Just like Yeshua did. What did he basically say? Take up your bootstraps and follow me. Take up your personal responsibility and obey and follow me. So, to take the spirit, what does that mean then? Because really Acts, right? Acts is the main character, so to speak, is the set-apart spirit. I think all this will play a part in when we get right back to in Acts. But I think we can't stray, we can't stray from these concepts, at least for me. So this, this set-apart spirit, it's a free. What does it come with? And you must use it, right? John 14, 16. I shall ask the Father, this Yeshua, the Messiah, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, to stay with you forever, one that will come alongside you. Who is this? This is the spirit of truth, whom the world is unable to receive or take, okay, because it does not know him. See this concept? There were these apostles that were being baptized, but they didn't really know there's more to know. Because they, because it does, they do not see him or know him, but you know him. For he stays with you and shall be in you. So, since we're talking about the Spirit, let's remind ourselves the power of this, his Spirit. It is to remember. First of all, it's a promise. The Spirit is a promise. And that promise is, if Messiah is talking about it, then it existed before Messiah, those words, those promises, right? If Yeshua said it, it was promised then, and it was spoken way beforehand. Well, uh, in some ways, not to get into it too much, but I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? So that you will what? Just have the free gift and lollygag around? No. I will pour out my whole spirit so you will obey my commandments. Those commandments were the ones given to Moses. The immersion of the set-apart spirit. Some other reminders. Especially because the day of Pentecost. Okay, that's the beginning. That seems set stage of all acts. But... Remember, the association with the fiery mountain of Elohim. Fire fell, fiery mountain. And I'm sure most of you know the, these. 
That was the day that they were at the mountain that they received the Ten Commandments. They received the ways of righteousness. The day they heard the voice of the Spirit. Messiah describes this Spirit too. The Spirit instructs about the law. Instructs on how to live out righteousness. How to walk in the Spirit. As this new man, when you repent, right? Because you got to be repenting. And in that repenting is then the goal. The goal is salvation. Having a relationship with Elohim, having a relationship with the God of Israel, to be one with him. To learn blessing, stay clear of the curse because it is about life and death. I just thought this was appropriate to do because if we're talking about the set-apart spirit, being immersed in the set-apart spirit, we got to take it all in and remember it's, there's way more than just tiny little... The Spirit's much bigger than small little talking points. So we just read about what the Spirit is doing miss those in Ephesus, remember? It is Elohim doing these things through the hands of Paul. So here we'll go back. Let's read it again and discuss it together. But let's read the context now of Deuteronomy 18.18, where I grabbed this verse from. I was kind of like, whoa, I was thrown back, to be quite honest with you. And I thought, I hopefully you find it just as interesting as I do. Because what we'll do is we'll see that it sounds like this section really does relate to the events that's happening in Acts that we just read and we're going to look at. So Deuteronomy 18, look at the subject matter here. When you come into the land which Yahuwah, your Elohim, is giving you, do not learn to the abominations of the, the nations, the Gentiles. Let no one be found among you who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices divination, or a user of magic, or one who interprets omens and a sorcerer or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritualist, one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these are an abomination to Yahuwah. And because of these abominations, Yahuwah, your Elohim, drives them out before you. Be perfect. Mature before your God. Be perfect before Yahuwah, your Elohim. For these nations whom you are uh, uh, possessing, whom you are uh, 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 possessing, do listen to using uh, magic and to diviners. That's what they do. But as for you, your God, your Elohim, has not appointed such a practice for you. 
Yahweh your Elohim shall raise up for you a prophet. Here we, there it is. A prophet like you from amongst your midst, from your brothers. Listen to him according to all you ask of Yahuwah your Elohim and Horeb. And the day the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of Yahuwah my Elohim or let me see this great fire anymore lest I die. And Yahuwah said to me that they have spoken good. I will rise up. For them a prophet like you, Moses, out of their midst, their brothers, and I shall put my words in his mouth. This is, to me, this is Yahshua, the Messiah. And he shall speak to all that I command him, and he shall be, and it shall be that the man who does not listen to his words, which he speaks in my name, I require of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other mighty ones, other deity, other gods, even that prophet shall die. And, they, and when you say in your heart, how do we know the word which Yahuwah has spoken? When the prophet speaks in the name of Yahuwah and the word is not or comes not, that is the word which Yahuwah has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Okay, so let's get back to Acts now and what's going on. You see the relationship, the, some of the divination, card reading, however you want to look at practices that are going on. And Elohim worked unusual miracles through the hands of Shaul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases and wicked spirits went out. So this is what we see playing out here in Acts. Maybe we could sum it up. It's Elohim against everything else. Because these practices, Elohim says, you know, this is not what I have for you, my people. Okay? I didn't appoint these types of things, but I have appointed things for you. Right? So here Paul is in Ephesus. He just separated some disciples out and began to teach them separately in a different location than the synagogue. Because i got to remind you, because up until now, Paul's practice was visiting synagogues. Everywhere Paul went was synagogues. He looked for the synagogue. He found the synagogue. That's where he spoke with his brethren. And ultimately, some, of the, some believed and some didn't, but they were still in the synagogue. Okay? It wasn't this idea... He didn't plant churches, so to speak, as we would understand it today. He, wasn't, he didn't do that. And really, if you look close to some things, that you'll see the verbiage going uh, uh, between, let's say, the Romans, the non-believers of the God of Israel, uh, in the dialogue uh, up until this point. You'll see that... Uh, the separation of Jew and Gentile, okay, that idea 
of the separating of the two assemblies. This, that doesn't happen for another 100 years after this time. Okay? So at this time, these events here in Acts, the separation was among, uh, was among the assemblies that already existed, meaning the synagogue. That's where Paul's brothers, some adhered to it, took hold of it. Others didn't. Because remember, Paul is just Paul. The way, remember, the sect, the way, this way of faith, it was just another sect of Judaism of the faith of the God of Israel at the time. So the outside world looking in didn't see any difference between what Paul was doing. All right, they didn't see a separate religion. And the Jews themselves didn't see it as a separate religion either. So that means there's this connecting of what's going on here. So ultimately, Paul didn't create a new religions. The Jews and, Ro and the Roman world saw no difference between what Paul and the disciples did and the outside world viewed as, as a Jewish thing. And the Jews understood it as a Jewish thing too. Yes. I can't think of his name. When when the a person had the vision of the sheets coming down, was that to go to Cornelius's house and preach to Peter. him? Peter, because he was not of the nation of Israel. He was not a Jew, was he? No, because that but was see that that's the tricky part with that wording. He 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 was a Gentile, but yet he was part of the synagogue. He had the faith of the Elohim of Israel. So he wasn't the general idea like this outside person who did not have some kind of relationship with the God of Israel. Only now we begin to see that those who have no clue who the God of Israel is. This only starts in 19. Up until this point, every Gentile, so to speak, that's mentioned had a relationship of some sort with the synagogue and was practicing whatever Judaism you might want to call it at the time. So they had a relationship going on. So they was, in, in maybe in our language, they were believers. <laughs> they wasn't non-believers. They were believers. They just wasn't Jews. Going back to when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Yes. And then when they had their Passover... Didn't it say people could come in and be... Um, there was a mixed multitude that came along, mi yes, and a mixed they multitude. were part... That's it. I mean, so they were included. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about the New Testament was written in Greek, wasn't it? So all those people had no real knowledge of being set apart or knowing the Messiah, but they came in right at that point where they... I don't know when the New Testament was written, but we only have it in Greek, as far as I know. They're looking for it in Aramaic, but hasn't showed up, or Hebrew. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just something to th consider. Well, a lot of the times when you see, uh, even in here, what was, talks about the Greeks, they were Jew. A lot of them were Jewish-speaking, uh, or the Jews who spoke Greek. They were still Jews. 
You know, so you have that dynamic. There's a lot that goes in the background. And we, all I'm saying is you can't quickly gloss over. I try to simplify what's going on the best I can in my own mind. So that's why I'm saying up until this point, now Paul is, he never established any church as we would know it. He was going to synagogue. Here even he separates these apostles out. They just go to another Jewish man's house or whatever. He's not inventing and practicing something new that he has that's so foreign to that that he grew up with. The only issues so far I can see in the text, it's the commandments of men. Okay, uh, rabbinic law that maybe, and even some of that was upheld for the apostles. You see, so for me, I got to focus on what does this scripture say, and then I can go through Christian commentary or rabbinic commentary the best way I can, because we need to know what he says and what he directs for our lives. And yes, some traditions are good, but so many of them get in the way. We know this. That's why we're here on the Shabbat, right? Okay, and we got plenty of road ahead of us. So we can't be getting ourselves too lofty here, right? That's that's what I'm seeing here. Thank you, sister, though. Thank you. So here, this is interesting to me. Here we have... Unusual miracles or unusual signs, so to speak. And to be honest with you, I, I, I run this through my head all the time. This is why I'm going to need some of you guys, your insight. We're going to look at this together and maybe not have a complete perfect answer either. Okay, But to me, here can be a challenge for us. One, we can't put the spirit in a box. That's a no-no, right? We can't do that. Oh, that's my phone. <laughs> you can... Uh, so, one, you can't put the spirit in a box. Yeah, just... Click. I know. Who let their phone ringer on? You know. It was I. No, that was my phone. I could I know the ring. But here can be a challenge. One, not putting the spirit in a box. At the same time, not crediting crediting or giving credit to the set apart spirit for things that he's not doing. Right? At least this is me speaking here. Or not doing, and at the same time, not mimicking some of the things we see in Scripture, thinking that's what we should be doing. Because it's weird, we just read in Deuteronomy these things to be warned against. He didn't allot those things for us. So these unusual miracles, signs, or wonders. Here's the questions I was asking myself. 
obviously, it shouldn't be that unusual if you incorporate the God of Israel. Right? Because after all, the Old Testament, so to speak, what was written before is filled with supernatural events. Right? How many of them? Tons of them are there. Some of these signs, signs and wonders, then the new, if it's the same deity, then the New Testament shouldn't be any different either. But we just read those guidelines. How then, for me, how do we understand these things here in Acts? I'm going to point out something. Do we get together and pray over handkerchiefs and pass them around into the assembly when someone gets the flu? Is that what we should get from this? Um, when I was reading this the other night, the question that came to me is like, how did they even know what a spirit was? What's that now? How how did they even know what a spirit was? In some ways, yeah, because what we have, though, there, we have, uh, let's say, the Hebrew word, the God of Israel. But then you do have this pagan world filled with supernaturals. And they're doing the same types of things. They're passing around amulets and spells. And it's obvious because they're burning their books. There's got to be a connection there. Yeah, and like I said, I don't have any perfect answer, but I think these things we got to uh, look upon. I might have a couple things to hold on to in our walk in the spirit as we repent, because it's 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 just you 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 guys are aware of uh, Matthew nine, and see a woman who had a flow of blood twelve years came. From behind him, being Yeshua, and touched his zitziot, or touched his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garments, I shall be healed. But Yeshua turned and saw her and said, take courage, daughter. Your belief, your trust, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed. That's kind of a connection with the clothing, but that's New Testament. Luke kind of maybe emphasizes something a little bit deeper for us here. Oh, what's going on in Acts? Maybe we're trying to narrow down these things for our lives. And I'm, again, I'm, I don't have a, a preciseness. I'm learning alongside with all of you. Luke 8 has that same story. And a woman having a flow of blood 12 years, having spent her livelihood on physicians and was unable to be healed by any. I would suggest maybe this woman was a Jew. I'm just speculating here. So she came from behind and touched the zitzi of his garment. And immediately her blood 
flow or her flow of blood stop. And Yeshua said, who touched me? So Yeshua didn't even know what's going on. I doubt that, but anyhow. Maybe it was more like, where is she? I don't know. But, and when they all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the crowds, the thong, all this crowd, you are pressed upon, and you say, who touched me? But Yeshua said, somebody did touch me. For I knew power went out from me. That's interesting because in some ways you got spirit talk there, the power of the spirit. And the woman, seeing that she was not hidden, came trembling and fell before him and declared to him in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. But then again, this idea of clothing, objects are things holding healing power. Is that what we're dealing with? Because that sure sounds exactly like the belief system of the outside world, the pagan world. But is, but is that really what we got going on here? I think maybe I would interject into this thought process is the idea of faith. This belief and this trust in, because ultimately, if someone goes to a physician or if they're going to a mind reader or card reader or any of these other things, there's a sense of if I go, I believe this, that's why I'm here. Break out the crystal ball, right? That's the very essence of belief and trusting when you end up doing such a thing. So if you believe that you, this woman could be healed because she recognized maybe who he was, he was a prophet of old. Maybe she didn't know the big picture. Just this is a prophet of old. I believe in the God of Israel. And I, I've been to physicians. And Father, I, I'm, here's a prophet. I'm turning to you finally. Will you heal me? Is it just that idea of trusting? So maybe it is then the faith in, in whom we're trusting. Is that the difference? And I'd like to hear from you guys too. I'm just, these are just thoughts that I'm putting out there. Because these people in Ephesus were into their divination. It's clearly they, they had books and everything else, Right? that we see that they ended up burning, so they were into it deep. And we don't need to know all the processes and all the things that they did to know that they practiced divination. You know what I mean? Because I didn't even want to go down that path to try, what were they doing? You know, is it really necessary to know all the intricacy for this study? Maybe this 
particular practice here with a, a cloth of some sort. Maybe it, this was one of the popular things they did in Ephesus with the sorcerers and the exorcists and what have you. Then that brought up in my mind another thing is, okay, I might have mentioned this last week. Does Elohim, does he operate, I don't know, how do I word this? Is he operating this way in Ephesus, but he wouldn't operate this way in Rome or another location because of their belief system to get their attention? And pointed out, you had Egypt. What did, and when they came out of Egypt, what did he focus on? He focused on the now. He focused on certain belief systems to get their attention to know it is the Almighty over the heavens and earth who is doing this. But then, with us, we got so much advanced technology, so much learning, and everything. How can he get your attention? You know? Because it's so easy to pass so many things away. Because, come on, we know a lot of stuff. We got Google, right? So we have all this stuff. How can he get a hold of us? And my, I guess my simple answer to that is if we just focus on him and who he is, his character, how Messiah is the very epitome. He's the one like Moses who came teaching. Moses laid down his, was willing to lay down his life too on the mountain. That's when the, then they cut the, renewed the covenant. But now we have someone in that we know of, that we trust in, who has done such a thing, laid down his life, because he could achieve it, because he obeyed everything his father said. And we know what those are. We have the same power. So that comes back to be baptized in the set-apart spirit. My simple answer is, well, the spirit's going to lead to me all truth. That means scripture, and we all got that Bible. That's one thing you know. If you're led by the Spirit, if you're picking up your scriptures and getting to know Him who is unseen, but yet the evidence that He exists is outside of us, and even when we look at one another, how can this just happen? How did you just happen, sister? Someone made you. Someone put information in. You know, it's wonderful. Yes. Well, you know, teacher, there comes a time... You were talking about when you know it's it's when your mind and maybe your heart is just crying and crying inside for more knowledge, help me. Mm-hmm. And then the spirit just seems to jump right at it. Yes, thank you. So maybe to summarize here real quick. We do have these exorcists traveling, mind you. 
It seems like they travel on. And the, don't, I, at least how I was looking into it, it says some of you might say high priest, but it's more chief priest because I don't see that these was a high priest associated with the, the temple back in Jerusalem. Uh, various reasons why I don't think that would be the case, you know. One, the the high priest needs to be in Jerusalem, and he wasn't, you know. Anyhow, he can't be out roaming around. The whole nation goes down because there's no high priest, you know. But so it was more a chief priest of something. And if they're doing exorcists, well, okay, they might be believers in the God of Israel or knew the God of Israel at one time, but they saw a very lucrative business here. And compromised. And none of us have never compromised. So we're, you know, these bad compromisers, right? But they compromised. They maybe. Money's a very powerful thing, isn't it, guys? Especially when you know you can make some money out of it. So again, was it the culture that Elohim behaved this way in this culture? We see examples. There's some really crazy examples of in the Old Testament. But let's leave with this because I think this is important. Here in Ephesus, the fear fell on them all. And the name and the character of the Most High was seen. It was a two-year period that this, where Paul was there. The name and the character of the Most High. I'll skip over that. Because that name and that character actually goes back to when the Most High revealed himself to Moses. He's patient. He's kind. Forgiving sin, right? But make sure you read all those places because one of them is specific in Exodus. Showing mercy for a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. And the commandments that were at that time were the ones Moses received. He was going to lay down his life and brought them back down to the people. That is our Messiah. All applies. But let's leave with this. This is the same as it is today for all of us. So the word of the master is growing mightily and prevailing. That means it can grow mightily in us. We can prevail. We can overcome. And as you guys know, the world's getting darker and darker. Let's get lighter and lighter. In some ways, the world might help us get a little bit lighter because they get darker. But let's stay on this path. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. No one can stand and be in your place, Father. You are eternal. You hold life. You hold the words of life. You hold the redemption for our lives through the blood son Yahshua whom we trust that you have sent we believe that report but we also now understand father we're frail and we so need your help 
Be with your people. Father, strengthen us and help us and provide for us. We have no other redeemer. We have no other provider but you. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you come out and those online. Thanks for joining us.